Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. August 7th, 2007 was a pretty special Pretty neat day. My favorite baseball player of all times, Barry Bonds, broke Hake Aaron's home run record. I loved Barry Bonds so much, even in high school, I wore number 24. I even played the same position. But there was something about this record that Barry Bonds broke that had some controversy to it. And it was this, is that only a few months after he broke the record, it came out that he had been using steroids. With the blemish of the record because of what he had done, many of of those sportscasters and people involved in, in baseball decided to take the baseball that he had hit to get the record and to put an asterisk on it. Right now in the Hall of Fame is the very baseball that Barry Bonds hit out to break Hank Aaron's record, but but it has an asterisk on it, meaning that for all of those that watched, all those that followed, they looked at that moment as something that was tainted, something that, that really didn't belong. And I don't know about you, I don't know about your journey and your life, but I know for me, for a period of time when I first started following the Lord, that I felt like my life looked that way. I felt like even though I had accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, for whatever reason, I felt like in heaven's hall of fame, in the book of life in heaven, where it said Ryan Kramer, that there is an asterisk beside it because of all the stuff that I had done, all the regrets of my past, the long list of of sins and broken promises that I had made. And, And I wonder if your life looks that way. I wonder if sometimes in your life, you love God, but you feel like there's an asterisk beside your name. You feel like there's, there's an asterisk that says tainted, like doesn't really belong, like, like yes, God sent a son to die on a cross and I get this kind of free gift of, of salvation, but there's something about me, there's something about my life that, that just doesn't seem like it belongs. Well, if that's you, if that's how you feel, if that's what your journey has looked like, then today, today is a great day to be here. Today, I want to talk about week three of our series, Batter Up. I want to talk to you from this title, I Will Free You. I Will Free You. And we've been in this series called Batter Up. We've been talking about what it looks like for us as followers of Christ to Uh, To hit for a spiritual cycle, which if you don't know what a a cycle is in baseball, it's a a single game when when you hit a single, when you hit a double, when you hit a triple, when you hit a home run, all in one game. And I think there's some similarities between our life as followers of Christ and that, that that there is a progression, there is a pathway that that God has for us. And we've kind of broken it down with this idea that, that there are four promises that there are four key promises that have been on God's heart for your life since the beginning of time. And that if we will discover these four promises, if we will experience and live these four promises out in our life, then 
then it allows us to, to experience what has been at the heart of God for you to experience since the beginning of time. Today, I want us to continue in this series. If you got your Bible, turn with me to Exodus chapter six, and we're gonna take a look at our theme verse here in just a moment. But let's prepare our hearts for God's word together. Say this out loud with me. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see these four promises that have been on God's heart for you to experience. We see it all the way back in Exodus chapter 6. And if you've missed the last couple weeks, um, I would encourage you to go back and kind of pick those up. We kind of have been building on, um, on top of a foundation in this series. But what we see in Exodus chapter 6 is we see these four promises laid out. In verse 6, it says, this is God speaking, therefore, say to the Israelites that I am the Lord, and here's the first promise, that I will bring you out. That God's promise for you and I is, is not, the first promise isn't about fixing us, it's not about changing us, it's not, you know, this, this kind of idea that, that, that you've probably felt, I felt in my journey with the Lord, that, that you feel like you got to have everything all together in your life in order to be able to walk into a place like this. And, and that was never the first promise that God had. It had nothing to do with changing us or fixing us. It was all about bringing us out of the life that we're currently in into this new life that is no longer controlled by sin. We see that it goes on. It says in the, the second promise, which is what we're going to talk about today, that I will free you from being slaves to them. In order, what he was saying here to the people of Israel through Moses is that it's one thing to kind of get out of Egypt. It's one thing for God to deliver you out of Egypt, but it's a whole nother thing for Egypt to get out of you. And sometimes in our life, we have this residue of our past of, of experiences, of things that have been done to us, things that we have done ourselves. We've now experienced or received this promise of, of eternal life with God in heaven, but we walk in our life and it just kind of holds us back. It feels like, like maybe if you're in that season of your life today, you feel kind of stuck. Like you feel like, like all the decisions in the past and the sin and the mistakes, that all that stuff is kind of dictating how you live your life. We see this third promise goes uh, on. It says that I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. In other words, after God brings us into a right relationship with him and walks us through this, this season of, of finding freedom in our lives from the baggage of our past, that, that then he wants to kind of bring us back to our original intent, that he wants us to, to discover that we have a purpose, that we have a part to play in the, in the grand story that he is writing here on earth. And then we see in verse seven, he says that the fourth promise that I'm gonna, I'm gonna now, I'm gonna take you. I'm gonna take you as my own people and I will be your God. In other words, what God is saying here is that, that I wanna put you on the right team. 
that there's three things, these first three promises, these are things that I want you to experience, but now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna take you and I'm gonna put you on the right team and I, I'm gonna help you to make a difference, an eternal difference in people's lives. And what I think is so fascinating when you look at the scripture is that he's saying when we experience those four promises in our life, that it's then, it's then and only then that we will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke, the Egyptians. In other words, it's only then that we discover who we are in Christ and we discover why we are here, that we, we have a, a better understanding of what it is to be a follower of Christ. And so today what I wanna do is I wanna kind of break down this promise Number two, and I, I want to start off first by helping us understand why we need this promise of finding freedom, of being free, of getting, getting the Egypt out of us. I want to talk a little bit about how that happens. If you look at the screens, there's something about us that I don't know if you recognize, but we are a triune being. Triune being means that we are made up of of three parts. We are made up of a body, we are made up of a soul, and we are made up of a spirit. The body part of us, right, is, is the physical. Like, it's the, it's the part of us that, that has cravings. It's the part of us that have lusts. It's the part of us that, that like, like for me, one of, one of the body issues that I have is, is food. Anybody else got a food issue in your life? It's, the, it's our body that, that, that has these kinds of cravings. And, and if you're anything like me, you've recognized that when your body starts calling the shots in your life, chaos ensues right? But then we've got this other part, which is the soul. The soul is the mind, it's the will, it's the emotions. And the same is true with the soul as it is with the body, in that when our soul, when our emotions are calling the shots in our life, our life becomes a mess. And then we have the spirit, and the spirit is the part of us that lives forever. It's the part when we, in that first promise, we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's that first part that when we, when we get saved, that, that spirit part of us that is dead to sin, right, becomes alive in Christ. It's that spirit part that is made new. Now, now here is the problem when it comes to being a triune being is that although our spirit is made new, our body and our soul isn't, right? It isn't. They still, our body and soul still has issues. And friend, this is why, listen, this is why hopefully the light bulb goes off. This is why we can love God, that we can still be going to heaven but struggle, struggle with lust, struggle with unforgiveness, struggle with bitterness, with depression, with whatever issues we have in our life because there's still this body part and this soul part that has issues. Now here's the solution to that dilemma in our lives. 
For us to get the Egypt out of us, our spirit has to get stronger. Our spirit has to grow stronger than our body and our cravings. Our spirit has to grow stronger than our emotions and our thoughts. And when this happens, our spirit begins to call the shots in our life. Now, I think this is probably why studies show that 87% of Christ followers never make it out of the promise number two. They never make it to a point where they find freedom in their life. And I think it's because we accept promise one, we accept the reality that we are, are new in Christ and that we're gonna spend eternity with him, but we're still allowing our body and our soul to lead our lives. And friend, this is why, listen, this is why we can know that we have eternal life in heaven, but we feel like we experience hell on earth. That it's because in our life, our spirit, right, has been saved, but our body and our soul is the one that is calling all the shots. And the truth is, is that that was never God's intention for your life. His intention was never that you would receive a free gift and then stop there and allow your body and your soul to dictate every decision and action that you make. And I think one of the reasons why it's so difficult for us as Christ followers to move out of this season in our life is because scripture tells us that it requires some hard work. In Philippians chapter two, verse 12 through 13, look what it says. It says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Now listen, look what he says. He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You see, I think the reason why so many of us struggle in this area of our life of we love God, but we struggle with all these things that it feels like we never get outside of it is because, and I'm going to kind of say it kind of plain and real here is that most of us want to touch from God so that it takes it away. Very few of us are willing to put in the hard work. And what we've got to recognize is that salvation comes instantaneously. It comes when we surrender our lives to God, we ask him to come into our life. But getting the Egypt out of us, finding freedom in our life is a process. It's a process of, of surrendering. It's a process of obeying him in the journey. And so today I want to give you kind of three things that, that I think will help us keep our body and our soul from leading our life. And I want you to know that the assumption here in, in, in the second promise is that we've already received the first promise. 
So having already accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, here's three things that will help us keep our body and our soul from leading our lives. The first one is this, is that we've got to get victory over sin. The first thing is, is we've got to get victory over sin. How how many know it's impossible to get out of a hole that you keep digging in, right? It's impossible to get out of a hole that you keep digging in. And the same is true with sin, that the more that we keep sinning in our life, the more that we struggle with our past. Now, what's interesting about how the Bible defines sin is that sin is the stuff that we do to ourselves. In other words, like we don't need a devil. We don't need some jerk in our life, right? We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't even need a tragedy to cause us to sin. That, that sin is something that we do to ourselves. Like, I don't know about you, but when it comes to sin, I don't, I don't need other people influencing that. I do a good enough job myself, right? <laughs> and if that's you, If that's the season that you find yourself in today, you can find comfort in this, that the Apostle Paul, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, kind of had a similar feeling about his own life. Look at Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 21. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I have discovered this principle in life. When I want to do what's right, when I want my spirit to be the one that's calling shots in my life, I inevitably do what is wrong. I allow my body and my soul to call the shots in my life. He says in verse 22 that I I love God's law with all of my heart. That's the spirit speaking. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. That this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. That's that body and soul speaking. Look what he says. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Paul's saying, in other words, like like there's times in my life I feel like there's an asterisk beside my name. And Paul says here, look at this. He says here the next part, who will free me? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you love God, but there's some, there's some things in your life that you just struggle with, some addictions in your life that it just doesn't seem like you can get rid of them? Like you keep trying, you keep trying, and keep trying, but it never seems to, to go away. Like Paul is saying, like, who's going to free me from this? This life that is dominated by sin and death. And he says this in verse 25, thank God. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, the only person who has the power to free us from the residue of our past is Jesus. That is a journey that we're on that we can identify with even the person that wrote most of the New Testament. And so what we got to do is we got to get victory over sin. The next one is this is that we've got to get healing from our wounds. 
You may kind of think those are the same, but sin is things that we do to ourselves. Wounds are what others do to us. So it wasn't your fault. Someone hurt you. Someone abused you in your life. Maybe it was a dad that kind of cut you down with, your, with his words. Maybe it was a mom that abandoned you. Maybe, maybe you went through a nasty divorce. Maybe it was a business partner that, that did you wrong. In other words, you didn't ask for it. You may not have even deserved it. But church, if you don't get healing from your wounds, you will end up being one of the 87% who get stuck in this second promise and miss out on all the promises that God has for you. John 10.10 says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And maybe you've wondered, like, what does that look like? Like, I've heard that verse numerous times before. What does that that look like? Well, it looks like this. It looks like us wallowing in in the mud of our wounds for the rest of our life and never being able to get out of the pit. Never being able to to get outside of the wounds that that have been caused in your life. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it says this, and don't sin by letting anger control you. And I think that's one of the, the difficulties that we face in life when it relates to our wounds, because Satan works overtime at trying to to get anger um, stirring inside of us, to get us mad about something. Maybe it's mad at a mom, maybe it's mad at a father or a spouse, because he knows that when we stir with anger like that, that it controls us. And it says this, says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For look what, look what anger does. It gives a foothold to the devil. In other, words, in other words, we'd love God, but Satan keeps causing all of this chaos in our life because all of these wounds that we've not, we've not kind of gotten freedom from in our life keep stirring up all of these emotions, Right? And in those emotions in our life, as we look back and we, and we kind of look back and we say, we're this way because of this person and what they did and, and all of that kind of stuff. And as we allow that stuff to stir in our heart, the Bible says it gives the enemy a foothold. It gives him leverage to be able to access your life, to get into your life. Listen, this is something that I learned a long time ago. Those of you that have been here for a while, you know my story. I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. Like, like I got saved when I was 20. So there's a whole lot of things that I did in my teenage years that I have regret from. There's a whole lot of things in my journey as a kid with parents who were drug addicts and alcoholics that I have wounds from. But I realized this at some point in my life, that if I didn't let go of my past, then I'd never be able to grab hold of my future. 
And I believe that there's some of you, if 87% statistic is accurate, that means there's a lot of us in this room that love God with all of our hearts, but there's a whole lot of baggage in our life. There's a whole lot of wounds. There's a whole lot of things that the enemy has been using to rob us of our potential in Christ. And I just want to say to you as your pastor, somebody that has gone through it himself, that if you don't let go of that, if you don't let go of the past, you're never going to be able to grab a hold of your future. The third thing, so if we've got to, if we've got to get victory over sin and we've got, to, we've got to get healing from our wounds, the third thing is this, is that we've got to take authority over the enemy. Did you know you got an enemy? I know in America, we don't always kind of feel that way, but you have an enemy that is set out to destroy your life. First Peter 5, 8 instructs us this way, says, stay alert and watch out. For your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Friend, you have an enemy that is intent on destroying your life, intent on doing everything that he can possibly do to keep you stuck and the wounds and the pain of your past. One thing that jumped out to me this week about this scripture is this idea of staying alert and watching out. And I, I kind of read that through the context or the lens of, of back then and, and, and how they would fortify cities and they would build all of these walls around cities, right? So that the people can go about their day and do their thing inside the walls of the city. And I think when you think about that through the context of us in our life today, is that I think that we kind of walk around our lives like behind the city walls thinking that everything is totally okay. Like as long as I can get my food, as long as I can get my money to get my things, like I'm doing life and I'm all good inside the walls of my city. And what, what the Bible's trying to help us understand is that there is an enemy at the wall. There is an enemy at the wall trying to still kill and destroy your life, your purpose, your family, your marriage. And here we are oftentimes walking in the city thinking everything is all good. And what scripture is telling us is that we've got to stay alert, that we've got to watch out. Like we need to be up on the walls looking out, understanding that there is an enemy trying to come against us. And how do we do that? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, it says this, be strong in the Lord. Like, how are we going to stay alert? How are we going to watch out? We got to be strong in the Lord. In my Bible, I circled that word in because it's not being strong in, in how I can figure things out or what I think is best. Our strength is found in the Lord. It says, and in his mighty power. Verse 11 tells us to put on not our armor, right? What does our armor look like? It looks like pride. It looks like arrogance. It looks like I know what's right. 
Everything you do is wrong. Like, like that's what our armor looks like. But the Bible tells us that we've got to put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against, and look at this word, strategies of the devil. Does that word strategy sound like the devil's just kind of eh, meandering around and, you know, I'll do whatever I do? No, he's got a strategy. He is intent on maneuvering his way into your marriage, into your relationships with your kids, into all your endeavors in life. Like he has a strategy that he is scheming against you. But look what verse 12 tells us. This is huge. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against the dad that cut us down with his words. We're not fighting against the mom who abandoned us. We're not fighting against the business partner that did us wrong. We're not fighting against, you know, our spouse. We're not fighting against that. And what do we tend to do in our life? What do we tend to do? We tend to walk around inside the walls of the city, like fighting everybody we come in contact with, totally missing the point. That the enemy is scheming in our lives and trying to get us fighting with one another. And what the Bible tells us is that that's not where our battle is. That our battle is against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Like whether we believe it or not, that there is a spiritual war happening in our lives. A war happening for your purpose, so that you don't become who God created you to be, a war that's coming against your marriage, a war that's coming against your kids. And the Bible tells us that if we're gonna have victory over that, that we've gotta, we gotta stay alert, and we gotta watch out. We gotta recognize that when, listen, that's one of the things that Andrew and I recognized early on in marriage is that when we were going at it, with each other back and forth, that there's something bigger happening, that, that the war is not with one another. That we've got to stay alert, that we've got to watch out. Now look what's interesting is that, you remember when Paul wrote that in Romans 7 about, hey, I, 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 I want my spirit man to be calling the shots in my life, but I still got the body and the soul and, and it's still kind of doing things that I don't want to do. Well, well, here's what we find in the very next chapter is that Paul begins to map out, listen, this is a perspective you need in order to find freedom in your life. He says this in Romans chapter eight, verse one. This is on the heels of what he just wrote in Romans chapter seven. He says, so now there is no condemnation. Like there's condemnation for those who have not accepted Christ, right? Judgment. But there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Listen, I could tell you this from experience, that if you want to accept the offer of the second promise in your life, 
to find freedom from your past and the wounds and, and the sin and the mistakes, then you have to listen to the message that Paul is giving right here. And the reason why it's important is because us in the American church have learned something that has been destroying our lives for a while. We have learned how to be fake. Oh, come on. You know what it's like. I mean, I've been following the Lord for 20 some years and I know what it's like to get in an argument with my wife or my kids on the way to church. And I'm looking back, I, rem I mean, times that I'd be, I would be, I don't know if you've ever done this when you're getting onto your kids, but you're wanting to smack a leg, but you can't get to the leg. And you're just like air slapping in the back, trying to find something on the way to church. And then you go pulling up into the parking lot, right? And you, you tell everybody in the car before you get out, oh, you ain't, listen, listen, you, you tell everybody in the car, you better put a smile on your face. You better, you better dry those tears up and you come walking in the church, like strutting in your church clothes and you're like, well, hey, brother, how you doing today? <laughs> oh, I'm doing great, great, great. God is good. Oh yeah, God is good all the time. God is good. And we just start walking in and, and man, we know in America how to put on the mask or what. What Paul is getting at here is, listen, if you're going to find freedom in your life, if you're going to get free from the sin in your life, the wounds in your life, if you're going to have victory over the enemy, then you've got to recognize this, is that there's no condemnation here. And what does condemnation do? Condemnation kind of works its way out in our life with with kind of shame, like it, it, it wants us to put the mask on so that nobody really understands what we're walking through. They don't know what we're feeling. They don't know the anxiety that we're, ex, we're um, experiencing. They don't know the pain. They don't know the fear in our life of, of a big decision that we're trying to figure out whether we're supposed to do or not. Like they don't know any of that because we put on this, this mask on the outside. And what Paul is getting at here is he's trying to help us understand that, listen, you got issues, I got issues, we all got issues, our church has got issues. Like everybody's got issues. And in order for us to be able to find freedom from these issues, you can't be fake. You can't allow shame to, to cause you to pull back and to put the mask on. He says this in uh, verse two, he says, and because you belong to him, that the power of the life-giving spirit, listen, it's freed you from that shame. What is it? It's the religious spirit within the body of believers that cause you to want to come in and to not be yourself. That's why one of our core values is transparency. That, and that we, we kind of we knew the Lord was laying this on our heart before COVID. So when I say this, just know it was before COVID. But one of our core values was transparency, that we're going to live life without the mask. Right? It's not a political statement. <laughs> it's a core value. That spiritually speaking, that we're gonna, we're gonna choose to live life without the mask. And that's because when we belong to him, he's freed us from the shame of having to wear the mask. 
And that's why one of the one of the problems that we have with getting stuck in this season of our life where we love God, right? But we still struggle with sin and we never seem to get outside of the shadow of all of that stuff is because we're not willing to be real. We're not willing to, to allow ourselves to be in, in some relationships where we can remove the mask. It says here in verse six, says, so letting, which is, I circle that in my Bible, letting is, is um, it's a word that indicates there's a choice there, right? Like I have a choice of whether I'm going to let my sinful nature control my mind, which was the Bible say that leads to death. It, it keeps you stuck in your present situation. Or I'm going to let, I'm going to make the choice to let the spirit control my mind. And what happens when I do that? It leads to life and it leads to peace. Listen, I want to close with this question. That if Paul is telling us here that, that what we think, that, that, that our mind, that, that it matters to whether or not we experience freedom, this second promise in our life, then, then think about this, what is, what is it in our life that has the most influence in the way that we think? 100% certainty that it's the people we hang around. Listen, if we want to change the way we think, then we need to change the people that we're around. And what this means for us as followers of Christ is that relationships become key to our freedom. Proverbs 28, 13 says it like this, that people who conceal their sins, right? They put the mask on, like they want to, they kind of want to put the church face on and, and everything is good, but, but deep down there's this concealing of sin. What does the Bible say? says that they're not going to prosper in their life. In other words, they're going to stay stuck for the rest of their life, missing out on this amazing promise that God has for them. It says, but if they will confess, and you can't confess by yourself. Like it, confession involves other people. And this isn't talking about like setting up a meeting with a pastor or a priest. This is confessing. I, I, I've got some relationships. I got some people in my inner circle that are headed in the same direction as I am. And I'm going to, I'm going to take off the mask and I'm going to, I'm going to sit in that circle and I'm going to share my heart. Like I'm going to talk about the sin that I struggle with. I'm going to talk about the wounds that I experienced in my life. And, and it says here that when we begin to confess that and then begin to turn from it, like how many of you know some people will confess all day long, but they never want to change, right? They turn from it. The Bible says that they will receive mercy. In other words, no transparency, no freedom. Listen, when we get around the right people in our life, they help us strengthen our spirit 
so that our spirit could start calling the shots in our life rather than our body and our soul. Friend, I want to close with three really practical steps. And these are really practical steps that if you find yourself in that kind of season of life where you've, you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you find yourself in the season where you just kind of feel stuck, that your past is still kind of dictating and calling the shots in your life. These are three kind of steps for you, practical steps for you to take. The first one is this. You need to be water baptized. What does water baptism have to do with our relationships? What's the first thing that God wants us to do when we get saved? To declare publicly that we belong to him. I love to to use this example of baptism that it's similar to a wedding ring that that when Andrea and I got married it was a commitment that we made but we wear a wedding being ring to represent it's an outward right it's an outward symbol of a private commitment that we've made to each other and that's what water baptism is we can make a a decision to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, but water baptism is that wedding ring of our faith. It's, it's us saying that, that I am no longer who I used to be. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be, right? And maybe you're here today and maybe you've not been water baptized or maybe, maybe it's been a long time and there's been a lot of things that have changed in your relationship with the Lord and you've recently decided to to go back all in with him. I would encourage you as your first step to be water baptized. And we've got one coming up in a couple weeks. The second thing, the second practical step is church membership. We've got one of those coming up, November 30th. And what does membership have to do with relationships? Well, listen, there are more than 30 verses in the New Testament alone that assumes that you have found a church family to worship with, to serve with, to give with, to grow with. You know, a tree will only grow to the size of the pot that it's in. And so many times in our journey with the Lord that we, we kind of uproot ourselves and we go to another place and we stay there for a little bit and then we uproot ourselves and we go to another place and then we uproot ourselves and and we wonder why we never grow we wonder why we keep kind of in this cycle of being in the same old same old in our life and the reason is is because we never really get planted in the house that God wants us to get planted in and listen maybe it's here and maybe it's not here but i full with everything inside of me, believe that we have to get planted into some local church that we believe God has called us to in order for our roots to be able to grow. And then the third step is this. You need to find a group. You need to find a small group. Listen, it's one thing to come to church and it's one thing to worship on a Sunday. But you'll never, 
reach your full potential in Christ. You'll never find freedom from your past and the wounds and the things that you've walked through in your life if you try to do this life all by yourself. But I hear story after story after story about all of, from all of our amazing small group leaders that talk about their group and talk about how they ended up like they had a topic for the day and, and they ended up shifting away from that topic because the conversation just, just became so life-giving as, as men or women began to share what they're walking through and to find encouragement and, and strength from one another. That's something that you can only get through small groups. It's so easy for us to come in on a Sunday and never really know anybody by name and to kind of slip out and to kind of do our own thing. But, but God desires all of us to get into relationships that can bring healing. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. In the seat back in front of you, I want you to grab that's a green connect card, this right here. I want you to pull that out with me for just a moment. On the back of that, you'll see there's a place for a name, a cell phone, and an email. And at the bottom, you'll see my next step. Maybe some of you have taken this step. Maybe some of you have been water baptized. Some of you have, have figured out what church God has called you to. Maybe some of you are involved in a small group already. But if you're not, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and to be obedient. If you're tired of living life the same way that you've been living, if you're tired of the same old, same old, and you wanna experience freedom in your life, this is the first step. I was telling the team earlier that oftentimes that, that the way that we're gonna to close today is different than I would normally do it. And the reason why is because most of us don't want to work hard for this part. We want somebody to lay hands on us and we want some miraculous thing to take all the pain and all the wounds away. And listen, it'd be amazing if that happens, but most of the time it's a process. And I want to invite you into that process. Would you bow your head with me? Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lord, I pray that every single person that's here today, God, I know that it is your heart that they find freedom in their life. That their life isn't dictated from the shadow of their past, but their life, Lord, can be one that's lived out as they experience these promises in their life. And so right now, 
Father, I pray that you would stir in their heart, Lord, whatever the step is for them that you're calling them to take. Lord, I pray that you would stir it in their heart. I pray that even in this moment, Lord, that you would begin to to speak to them. Maybe it's to be baptized, Lord. Maybe it's to to join the church or maybe it's to get a part of, of a small group, Lord. Whatever that might look like, I pray, Father, that you would stir that in their heart today. Friend, with every head bowed and eye closed, our team is gonna, they're gonna kind of sing just part of that last song one more time. And this is what I wanna ask of you is to just still yourself in this moment to open your ears to what the spirit might be speaking to you. And if the Lord's leading you in any of those three steps, I want you to write it on the card. And the ushers are gonna be at the doors when we dismiss today with buckets to receive them and somebody will reach out to you this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening. And we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.